Hello and welcome to another Tuesday edition of Bill's Facebook Studies. Uh, we are working through Oswald Chambers' classic devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. Welcome. I don't know what it's like where you are, but here in Tyler, Texas, it is cold. It's a little wet and a little chilly. Uh, the, the rain is good. We're loving the rain, and that's a big blessing, and we're so thankful uh, that our gracious God provides all we need and more, as Ephesians 3 says, more than we could ask or imagine. And uh, we're feeling it this week with a little bit of cool in the air and a little bit of rain as well, and that's a blessing. Hope you're feeling the blessing and presence of the Lord where you are. I'm excited about the study today because it's one that is... Uh, a challenging thought, I think, and uh, I sent a little bit of a, a teaser out, as I typically do around noontime each day, to let you know a little bit about what's coming for the study that day. As we've said all along, we've been uh, I've been reading through the devotional books, My Utmost for His Highest, which is uh, today's uh, study by Oswald Chambers on Tuesdays. And, uh, and then I uh, am also reading every day the daily devotional book by Timothy and Kathy Keller on the Songs of Jesus. It's kind of a look at the Psalms, the book of Psalms, the, the uh, worship book, prayer book, song book for the Old Testament Jews, but also for Jesus in the first century as a Jewish man himself and worshiping at the synagogue and doing all of those things. Uh, and so looking at that study, which is a very, very interesting and helpful study and very encouraging study as well. We don't cover everything that those books share <laughs> that particular week, uh, but we cover some of the highlights and cover, uh, uh, I think, a psalm or two on Thursdays. Hope you're joining in on those. And also a, um, a thought or two from, uh, from Oswald Chambers in his, from his book and the readings of that week. Today we're looking specifically at um, uh, a, a, a very interesting statement or two that he makes. I'm looking specifically starting at the reading on January 18th, which is interesting because it quotes a couple of passages and thoughts, and I'm not sure that that's the ones that I stay with as I read through this uh, day's reading. But it uh, mentions Thomas. Remember Doubting Thomas <laughs> and the great uh, passage in John chapter 20? If you don't remember that story, John, uh, Thomas was there uh, with the other disciples as uh, one of the apostles and the others had seen the Lord after his resurrection. He had not. And when Jesus appeared to the ten, minus Judas Iscariot, of course, but also minus Thomas, for some reason he wasn't there. Uh, then he comes back and he missed it. And they all said, we saw the Lord. And he said, I'll tell you what, unless I, unless I can poke my finger into the nail holes in his hands and thrust my hand into the side where that spear went through. I, I, I can't get my hopes up again like I did before. And so the next time Jesus appears to all of them, including Thomas, and uh, lovingly he tells Thomas, here's my uh, hands. Uh, stick your fingers in those holes. Here's my side. Uh, go ahead and put your arm uh, through that. If that's what it takes uh, for you to believe, Jesus says, then, then let's go. And Thomas has this great, uh, this great confession, and it's the one verse that uh, Chambers cites in this reading, and that is John 20, verse 28, my Lord and my God. Uh, and for a Jew to do that is blasphemy, and yet he knew that he was looking at the Son of God, and he worshiped him. And of course, Jesus didn't tell him not to, because uh, we read of that sometimes when men or even angels 
are attempted to be worshipped by others in the Bible, but not this time, not with Jesus. Jesus accepts that worship and, and accepts Thomas as well and uh, reminds him and reminds the others that they're blessed because of the things they've seen. Blessed are those who haven't seen what they've seen and yet believe. And that's us. You know, that's us. We get to read about all of those events. And so our faith is credible, but it's obviously still very much uh, faith. And, uh, and then in that chapter, uh, Chambers quotes Acts 1 verse 8, where Jesus says, just before his ascension, you'll be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas, and then to the rest of the world. And, um, and so he talks about devotion to the Lord Jesus, and he talks about uh, what that means. And I think I remember, you know, Luke 9, Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to give it all. You've got to give everything up for yourself and give it all in my name. And that is uh, to deny yourself, to take up your cross every day and to follow me, Jesus said. And I think uh, the way Chambers puts it is uh, uh, we need to give our devotion to the Lord, satisfying him wherever he may send us and seeking to do his will and be obedient to him, whatever that means. And so he says this, beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. And I, you know, as a longtime preacher, I mean, I, I'm kind of a sick little kid. I've known that uh, I'm, I wanted to be a preacher at a local church since I was a junior in high school. And God has really blessed me uh, to work with wonderful churches and wonderful fellow servants, uh, partners in ministry in the Lord through the years and through the decades, really. And, and so I've seen a lot of things, and I've been able to kind of examine some things myself. And I, I agree with one of his uh, statements here. It talks about being loyal to Jesus Christ and serving Christ. And the idea is being in a relationship with him. And so he says this, the greatest competitor of true devotion to Jesus is the service we do for him. It is easier to serve than to pour out our lives completely for him. The goal of the call of God is his satisfaction, not simply that we should do something for him. And then he asks the question, are we more devoted to service than we are to Jesus Christ himself? Now, I got to admit, uh, <laughs> this reading is a, is a little frustrating for me because, you know, I'm a preacher. I'm always telling people, hey, you need to you need to be active in service to the Lord. You need to be active in ministry. You need to go to church. You need to <clears throat> build relationships there. You need to be involved uh, in one ministry or another or perhaps several. And I, I still believe all of those things. And I would imagine that Chambers would say the same. But I also understand that that's not the same as having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that's different. You know, it's kind of like Bible study. As a preacher and a teacher, uh, I... I read the Bible a lot. I study the Bible a lot. I read about the Bible a lot. I write lessons about the Bible. I have Facebook lessons about the Bible. And, and so if all of my reading and all of my study is simply for that purpose, to teach a class or to lead a study, and, and that's where my whole focus is. Granted, I obviously have to do that. Teachers will always tell you uh, that they learned so much more in preparing the lesson than their students did when they presented it. And I think with honest, sincere, genuine teachers, that is definitely the truth. But at the same time, I think it's important for us who are teachers, preachers, leaders, 
that we take our Bibles and we read it and we take time for personal devotion to build our personal relationship with Christ. And, and that's different. It's different. And uh, I was uh, teaching a lesson in our young adult class, our wonderful young adult class at Woodland West Church of Christ in Arlington, Texas, years ago. And I was, uh, I was talking about that, and I was talking about how that is an issue with a lot, of, a lot of church leaders and teachers and preachers. And one of my dear, dear friends, and I'm pretty sure it was you, Brian Webb, one of my dear friends, his hand just shot right up, and he just looked at me, and he genuinely asked, not to put me on the spot, but just because he cared about me. He said, is that, a, is that, a, is that hard for you sometimes, Bill? <laughs> and I thought, oh, where's the rock I can crawl under? And I honestly said, well, yeah, of, co of course it is. It is because I'm so devoted to my work and my ministry and my service that I, I have to remind myself that's not the same as being in a close, active, genuinely loving relationship with Jesus Christ himself. And, and I get that um, we're called to serve and we're called to be active in ministry. And I want everyone to be that way. And I continue to be that way. But we should be that way out of our devotion because of our devotion to Jesus Christ, uh, rather than being devoted to those things and those ministries and that service. And as hard as it is to differentiate those, they are not the same. And I realize it can be frustrating for people who look at me and say, Bill, I've been knocking myself out trying to uh, help lead a Bible class at church. I, I help in the Benevolent Center. I do all this. I do that. I, you know, I, I study my Bible every day, you know, I, all of these things. And now you're telling me that that's not enough. And that's not what I'm saying at all. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, uh, we, we should do all of those things, but we don't do those things to be pleasing to God. We don't do those things to earn salvation. But we also uh, recognize that those things are a result, an outgrowth of our gratitude to God for the sacrifice that brought our forgiveness. It's, it's a response to the great blessing we feel and the great love that we have for Jesus and show so that love is shown uh, in our lives it's shown by the service and ministry and obedience we give uh, to God we don't do those things in order to be saved uh, he forgives us when we're baptized into Christ and we die to sin and we're buried with Christ through baptism into death and we're raised to live a new life we were talking in our staff meeting devotional today about those great passages of scripture in Ephesians 2 1 through 10 and and Titus 3, 3 through 8, that talk about how we were dead in our sins and then God made us alive. By grace, we've been saved through the response of faith. And that's a great gift that we could never earn uh, or be entitled to. But then it goes on at the end of both of those passages announcing how we've been saved through the washing of rebirth and renewal uh, of the Holy Spirit, an allusion, I believe, to Christian baptism and to John 3. Jesus talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. That washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit in Titus 3, that's the response of faith. And that doesn't entitle us to salvation. We don't deserve it after that. It's simply an accepting of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Uh, just like when we believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, just like when we confess that we're sinners and, and that we fall short. And we have decided that we're going to change our lives and seek to do better. That's repenting. 
And so I, you know, I, I see all of that. But then those, both of those passages, amazingly enough, after making such a strong statement for the salvation that comes to us by grace through the response of faith, they both say we are to be devoted to doing good. Uh, we're God's workmanship, God's handiwork, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says. And, uh, and Titus chapter 3 says we should be devoting to doing what is good, to doing good deeds. Uh, that's how we live. That's what we do. That's our service to Christ. And we do those things all the time. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. You, people will see by your life how, what kind of relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to do all of those things. But again, it's, it's just as important, maybe even more important, that we see their place, that we do those things and recognize we're doing those things because we have that closeness with Jesus. And we are devoted to him above all else. And that devotion leads us uh, to seek to please him and to try to be faithful uh, to him. And so we don't pretend, we don't, when things are going badly, we don't pretend they're not, but we also understand that our Lord has, has saved us and that, as the psalmist says many times, the Lord is in his holy temple. And, and so we recognize that and we realize that, um, that it is right for us to be close to God and to let that closeness be seen in a life of service and ministry uh, and loving obedience uh, to the Lord. I love what he says in one of the later uh, readings, jealously guard your relationship with God. Don't you love that? Jealously guard your relationship with God. Don't let anything come between you and God. Whatever Satan is trying to use to do that, don't let him. And sometimes even Satan can use the church to try to come between us and the Lord. Sometimes he can use ministry and service and good deeds that we begin to trust in those and be devoted to those and not to the Lord who has called us to live that way. I tell people that in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, with a little bit of a parenthetical statement in chapter 6, but for the most part, Romans 1 through 11 talk about all the great things that God has done for us. And then in chapter 12, he begins the so what passage, which I think is really why he says what he says in the first 11 chapters. He tells them, therefore, in view of God's mercies, in view of all God's great blessings, um, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Give yourself wholly to God. We do that because of the wonderful blessings that he has given us. Um, and that's why we don't conform uh, to this world and to this culture. Uh, we don't let the world squeeze us into its mold as uh, the Phillips translation of Romans 12, verse 2 says, uh, keep your whole life continually open uh, to Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what we're called uh, to do. We're called to be filled with the joy that God has given us and, and to let that be seen in a life of service and ministry and loving obedience to God. I hope that you're very involved with your church. I, I hope that that uh, just encompasses your whole life. Our kids, as they were growing up, they didn't know anything other than being around the church people every day. You know, they were our best friends. They were our, our go-to people when we were having problems. We were theirs. 
Uh, we all had kids together. We all were working on our marriages, working on raising faithful children, trying to live in a world and a culture that continually works against you at being in a close relationship with God. Uh, and, and it was a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And I think that that helps us to see that this is the path we need to be on. That path of service and ministry and loving obedience to God, but that path that stems from the great blessing that we have in Jesus Christ and the great devotion that we feel, first of all, above all else, uh, to our Lord and Savior who died for us. I pray to God that you will be blessed as you live a lifetime of service because of your devotion to the one who loves you, who gave himself for you, who saved you, and now who empowers you every day, and who one day will take you to be with him for eternity. God bless. I'll see you on Thursday.